0: Hey, what up, y'all? It's your girl, Vivica Fox, and welcome to my podcast, Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. Okay, y'all. Today, we are going to talk about having a healthy relationship. My guest today, Dr. Alexandra H. Solomon is a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Psychology at Northwestern University and a licensed clinical psychologist at the Family Institute at Northwestern University. In addition to writing articles and chapters for leading academic journals and books in the field of marriage and family, she is also the author of the book, Loving Bravely, 20 Lessons of Self-Discovery to Help You Get the Love You Want, and her second book about sexual self-awareness, Taking Sexy Back, How to Own Your Sexuality and Create the Relationship You Want. Dr. Solomon maintains a psychotherapy private practice for individual adults and couples. She also teaches the internationally renowned undergraduate course, Building Loving and Lasting Relationships, Marriage 101. Please welcome the very busy Dr. Alexandra Solomon. Hey girl. It is such a pleasure to be with you. (laughs) Have you been surviving during Corona and COVID and all of the craziness that we've been living in for the past eight months? If you imagine a wheel of
1: emotions, every day we just spin the wheel and I may visit, you know, one or more of those places on the wheel of emotions, right? It's just like all of the things.
0: Before we started taping, you were telling me that you were homeschooling. How's that going?
1: Yeah. So like so many families, we've got uh, we have two high schoolers in our home and they both go to one goes to school in her bedroom and the other one goes to school in the basement. And my husband runs his law firm from the guest bedroom upstairs. So we are blessed to have space to have us all doing our thing. And it is, uh, you know, it's 24-7 togetherness.
0: Wow. Well, I want to just find out from you because you've got, you know, when I was reading your introduction, all of the like credits and the books and everything. How did this all start for you?
1: I, I feel so lucky to be able to have had the career that I've had. So I went into graduate school, not necessarily wanting to study love and sex and intimacy, but I sort of stumbled onto a training opportunity with one of our field's top couples therapists, and I was floored by how fascinating it is to study couples. There's so much going on around power and gender and culture and communication Mm. so I am never bored right so I may on a day like on a day like today I'm talking to you I'm you know filming an e-course I'm writing an article I'm sitting with couples you know sort of sifting through all of their challenges it is incredibly rich I'm engaged body and heart and soul every day.
0: I mean it's just amazing to me you're a teacher author speaker clinical psychologist out of all those things that you have under your belt which one do you love the most? Oh my goodness. Okay. I, <laughs> you're asking me to
1: prioritize my hustle. I love all my hustles. As you, I know that you are hustling as well. I mean, it's the variety, right? That really mm. keeps me engaged. But I think, my, I think in my heart, I'm a teacher. What I love the most mm. is taking things that researchers find in research or clinical wisdom from therapists and making it tangible and usable to people in their everyday lives. Like that's my, that's my sweet spot. That's when I'm happiest.
0: Okay, so do you think that love, sex, intimacy should be an open subject to talk to any age group? Absolutely. Yes. Our kids are going to roll their eyes
1: and they're going to storm and they're going to say, oh, my God, please stop. But, the, but the my, research I do show- talk to you about this, right? Oh, right. That's right. That's right. But they listen. The research shows mm. that they listen. And so, you know, our kids listen also to the things we aren't saying. So if we aren't talking about sex in our homes, if we aren't talking about crushes and falling in love, mm. if we're not making space for all of that then that carries a meaning too, doesn't it? And those things then become filled with shame that somehow something's wrong with me because I'm curious about sex or Mm. starting to have some different special feelings for this particular person.
0: Why do you think there's such a stigma about talking about sex and fulfillment?
1: Well, I think that there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, If we didn't see our parents do it well, then we Mm. don't have the skills ourselves to talk to our own kids about Um, what it means to be healthy. And I think for a lot of years, you know, sex was really taboo. Yes. um, Certainly for men, especially for women, right? So when I hear stories now about parents talking to their adolescent girls about their entitlement to pleasure, not just be safe, but also make sure that your pleasure is part of the experience. I just like tears fill my eyes. So I think that's how we make change, right? I have so many couples in my practice who don't have basic sex education skills and information for how to talk about sex, how to make love that feels good for everybody. And so mm. break that cycle by empowering all of our teens, whether they're male, female, beyond the gender binary, to know that sex is a part of life and sex deserves to be not just safe,
0: but also pleasurable and joyful. Agreed. Because I want to tell you, growing up, I think, what I remember there was like, uh you want to take a sexual education course? You know what I mean? Like it was that type of thing. And then it's like, if you tried to talk to your parents about it, it was kind of like, well, I better not hear about you doing that. And you better not get pregnant. You know, it was like such a taboo and and, and on it. Like, you know, we don't really talk about that, but it's happened. Like, how did I get here? You know? Right. <laughs> yeah, <you're> so- <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, and I'm all
1: for parents talking to their kids about how to not End up unintentionally pregnant or with an yes. STI or you know, all that's all really important. There are like public health things, but right, I wonder like what might have been different, you know. Like, what if you had gotten messages beyond just don't get pregnant, which is the same, same as messages. I mean, nobody was talking to me about like make sure that you know your partner is attending to your pleasure. Nobody was giving me right. that message either. Mm-hmm.
0: I got growing up, I used to just hear about oh, are they doing it? That's all you heard. It was like, oh, okay. So, yeah such a taboo that's put on it. So what are some of the craziest questions you received about sex? Oh my goodness. Come oh. on girl, it's a hot
1: You can <laughs> tell it. it, we going talk
0: about it. That's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, let's see, what's the craziest question? I recently, it was so sweet, I was doing an interview with a college newspaper and they wanted to know what to do when you find your roommate's sex toy on the coffee table. Mm. I was like, oh, okay, well. I'm going to be, I am very pro-sex toy, right? Like, uh-huh. I mean, have a whole bunch of tools at your disposal. And I think it's really appropriate to ask your roommate to keep the sex toy, you know, in the privacy of their own room. I think we can be pro-sex toy and anti-sex toy on the table. <laughs> I mean,
0: I would just think I would have, like, baby, was that an accident? Did you mean to leave that there? Did you get in a hurry and just forget about it? You know? That's it. Right, then- that's it. Right. What if you want to learn about the sex toy that they had? Because I had a friend recently, they gave me a sex toy that was like a contraption connected to something else. And I was like, now, what am I actually supposed to do with this? And she said, you're going to love it. Trust me. And I did. So (laughs) I tell you what, I, we are,
1: we are living in an era where sex toy companies are now women run. Like they're really, Mm. they're, they're really like from the ground up, really being centered on women, you know, the anatomy of the female body and what really feels good. It's such an exciting time. Like I'm connected to a number of, um, these young entrepreneur women who have a social conscience and a feminist conscience, and they are creating these toys that are just beautiful and effective uh-huh. because it's not, you know, it's sort of built on what's going to give her pleasure rather than just right. something that replicates a phallus, which, you know, may not be what all of us are really wanting. Mm-hmm. We may a little more
0: specialized. Well, I have a friend, uh, Tisha Campbell, she used to throw these amazing Parties where we would learn all kind of ways to please your man that I used to at first I was kind of like, we going to what kind of party are we going to? And then when you got there, it's like it, there was toys and ointments and 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 things like that. But I was kind of like, oh, I learned something and it was fun, you know? It wasn't like, oh, you know, be freaky. It was like, no, learning, really learning pleasure and how to do things correctly. And so Tisha, thank you for that girl. I learned a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's the craziest question that you've gotten about? relationships? Oh gosh. I mean, I think that all, I think always people are asking questions
1: about like, should I stay or should I go? I think that's one Mm -hmm. of the most difficult questions. People want sort of like a flow chart, right? Of if this, then I stay. And if this, then I go, I think people are craving kind of simplistic answers to these Mm. really challenging questions. So the thing that I want most in the work that I do is for people to really find ways to come to their own compass, their own inner wisdom, their own deep knowing, right? Because it can't I can't say what's best for somebody else, but I can yes. give them the tools for how they listen to themselves. I and mean, there are some things, abuse and neglect and repeated patterns of lying and yes. you know, people who are refusing to get help for the problem. I am not worried about people dating folks who are in recovery or in therapy because those are people who are saying, I have some stuff and I'm working on it. And those are some of the best partners, but a partner who is addicted and not paying attention to it or refuses to go to therapy. Those are some red flags, but I basically want people to have the tools for knowing where, where are my boundaries? What's in, what's okay for me? What's not okay for me? Um, So those are some of the most common questions that I would get around. How do you know when a relationship is good enough?
0: You know, I've just recently started dating again and let me tell you, it's like, it's like wonderful to date and everything, but then the, the hard part for me has been like dealing with my past luggage. Do you know when I say that, like my past luggage that I can't dump onto the new person? And I think the the best thing that's that's happened with the two of us getting to know one another is admitting when you're wrong and saying, I didn't mean to do that, and understanding instead of just running away, which is what I normally would do. Like, you're pissing me off, I'm out of here. So, but we're going to talk about more of that too. But I'm learning a lot about myself, you know, and whether or not, To come back and fight for the relationship because, like you said, it's admitting I didn't mean to do that. It wasn't my intention and making sure that the other person that it's a reciprocal relationship, you know, so I'm learning a lot about me.
1: Well, I love that so much. I love it so much because you're right when we there is no way of avoiding our baggage. That is the nature of falling in love with somebody. Mm. Is it just Awakens all of our old pain points. And the longer we live on this earth, the more pain points we've got. And so it's not about bypass, it's not about finding somebody who's not going to trigger. Our baggage, it's about finding somebody who's gonna be with us and helping us, like there with us, opening up the suitcase, yes. and looking at what's in there and sharing their suitcase, right? Because yeah. like, they come in versus, I think so many of us want to just act like, no, 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 there's nothing in there, there's nothing to look at. Yes, agree. That's far more problematic than saying, okay, babe, tell me, like, how am I stepping all over your, you know, real right Or Yeah. I don't mean to, but mm-hmm. I'm sure that I am.
0: Yeah it's just, it's like really taking the time to get to know a person. Okay. I love it. I love it. So we're both authors. I'm an author too. Your book cover is gorgeous. (laughs) Thank you so much. It was a truly fun experience because I kind of Got to unpack a lot of things that I thought were hidden away. So I learned a lot about myself, especially when I did it on audio. And I was crying. My father just passed away. It was a lot, but I enjoyed it. So let's talk about your book. Your book is called Taking Sexy Back. What inspired you to write Taking Sexy Back? I
1: don't know if this is how you felt about your book, but I felt like this book was asking me to write it. You know, my first book, I was like, okay, I want to write a book. I chose Loving Bravely. Taking Sexy Back chose me. And it was really Mm -hmm. hard it was really hard to resist the, I didn't really want to write about sex. It's a complicated topic. It's a taboo topic, mm. but it, this book was just inside of me wanting to come forward. So it was, um, it was a beautiful and ch- as you said, a really challenging book to write because whenever I think we choose to engage in that process, we are unearthing parts of ourselves that we don't have yes. quite figured out and it needs to be personal. And so, especially writing about women and sex. So we were looking, I I'm so blessed to have a team of graduate students and undergraduate students at Northwestern who are in the trenches with me. And we're reviewing the research about women and sex and looking at the orgasm gap between women and men, mm. which is mm. just heartbreaking and frustrating. And so we wrote this book that is um, basically a journey for a woman to take to understand her baggage, to understand mm. the sexual baggage that she brings in. Of course she does, because as we, you and I were saying before, our culture is pretty screwed up around sex. So we have lots of messages that we've internalized that we never asked for that keep us from feeling entitled to healthy sexual relationships, feeling entitled to pleasure, being able to even imagine talking to a partner about what we want. And so this book is designed to help a reader feel more grounded and whole and safe in her body. What does taking sexy back mean to you? So what it means to me is I think that a lot of us have a pretty fraught relationship with this word sexy, right? Sexy is something that I have to kind of pose to the world. Like, do you find me sexy? Am I sexy? And so in this book, we are locating sexy within that our sexy is our sexual self and that great sex starts from our own relationship with ourselves, our own sense that my body is beautiful and I'm present in my body. And I'm certainly concerned about your pleasure, but I'm also concerned about my pleasure. You know, So it's all of that so sex so taking sexy back means no longer saying that I have to be who you want me to be mm. I'm going to I'm going to show up in my my own fullness and create something beautiful with you from that place
0: so that would basically be cultivating your sexual self-awareness yeah exactly okay, exactly. okay. all right so why do you feel that it's important to ask what do I want Because especially if you are a woman
1: who's going to be making love with a man, the force of all of the conditioning we've been raised with is going to go towards focusing on his pleasure. That's, you know, when you think about heterosexual sex, it's very much, you know, focused on like when he gets hard what he's doing sex mm. sometimes ends when he has his orgasm so we sort of have created this whole sexual script that's around what's happening with him and his pleasure and that we women are at risk of sort of being service providers right mm. and passive sort of recipients and so it is certainly about making sure that all of our you know boys and all of our men understand that their sexuality is also something that they deserve to be comfortable in and, and, and mutual about, but that, so that, so that change, you know, women can't fix all this on their own, but it also is about women saying like, listen, if we're going to be together, it's going to need to be something that the two of us come up with together. See,
0: I believe that totally a partnership. That's what I, that's what I say that I want for my relationship is a partnership. I don't want to be the, it's like, we have to come in this 50, 50, that we understand that it's about us coming together as a partnership. It's not about me carrying all the load or you carrying all the load. So with saying that, what do you think is more important to please yourself or to please your partner?
1: I love that question. I love, well, okay. So if I'm going to answer it, I want you to answer it too. Will you answer oh, it? Oh, I
0: will. I <laughs> will. I'm learning, girl. I speak, I got no problem
1: talking about me. That's right. That's right. It's so interesting. So what the research shows, so in when you look at heterosexual sex, what the research shows is that one of the biggest turn-ons for a man is her arousal and her orgasm and her pleasure. So he tends to really have his own experience amplified by knowing that she feels good. It doesn't tend to go the other way so much. Women are a bit, you know, sort of um like it's not it's not that like Him being turned on necessarily turns her on. So I think that if we're talking about women, I think it's more important for her pleasure. I think he's going to be fine. He's going to be even more fine if she's fine, right? He's going to really be, by and large, most of the men that I have worked with in my office and my own relationship – what the they what feels really good to them is to be able to be of service to her and make her feel good and focus on her and celebrate her. So that requires her though to be really comfortable like receiving all of that attention and pleasure. And many of us grew up being people pleasers, right? Focusing yes. on everybody else and taking care. We watched our you know moms Especially and our family in the kitchen Nurtures. Exhausting yep. yes. Nurtures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that can be a bit confronting to just like surrender right and lay back and just receive and be selfish and take our time those can be some really challenging
0: things for women but but beautiful it's beautiful healing work well see I'm a pleaser I am but then there's times that I want it to be about me so I believe in sharing to be very honest with you that I, I believe that sometimes it's like I'm gonna set the mood and do presents and do candles and nice drink. Like I love setting the space to please. I really do. But I also definitely love to be pleased as well too with nice bubble baths and candles and knowing that you took an effort to want to please me for me to be able to sit back and enjoy the ride. So You know, I'm 50 50. I'd like to please. And I also like to, you know, I just want somebody that's going to be a good lover. Like, don't be sitting there and be boring. Please don't.
1: Uh-huh. Well, and I love what I love what you're saying is that the not boring for you is also about like, show me that you're thinking about me. Show yes. me that you show me that you really want to create a space that I want to enter into.
0: Yes. That's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I try. I try to be a good lover and appreciate it. Make it make it fun because I've definitely had sometimes I was like, what's going on? What?
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so when you write your book, do you target a certain age group?
1: You know, I I really want my books to be applicable to people of all ages. So ideally, somebody finds my books as they are entering the whole realm of love and sex. So I love when I hear about mamas getting these books for their 18, 19, 20-year-old, you know, sons and daughters. I love that. That's beautiful. But what I also know, know to be true is that we can get well into our 30s and 40s and 50s and not have had the time and space to learn about love and sex. And so I write in a way where you can pick up my book at any point in your journey. And in fact, maybe you read it at one point when you're single and then you read it again when you're in a relationship. So I, that's my goal is to have, a, have books that are really um, transcendent of your age and your relationship status.
0: Because in life it's like, sometimes you're in different chapters of your life. Like I remember like when I was in my twenties, it was just like, oh, get it. Oh my God, he's hot. I want to conquer. And then it's like, now that I'm older, it's like about- creating intimacy and really caring and, 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 and building a relationship and enjoying having sex together. You know what I mean? Instead of, yeah, I hit that, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm serious. There's such a difference. It was like the, the, the chase and the conquer. Whereas now it's like, no, oh, I really want to like love you and experience you and look in your eyes mm-hmm. and know that this means something. That's beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful. And I do think, I do
1: think that that is so true for younger, um, for emerging adults, you know, for folks who are young, like we, we rely so much on sex as a way of affirming our own sense of self-esteem and self-worth. So that conquering is like, it's the thrill, but it's also the affirmation. And maybe as we get older, we get a bit more comfortable in our own skin and we don't, you know, we don't need, we don't need somebody else to be affirming us. And we can just say, okay, I'm showing up with all of me and I'm ready for you to show up with all of you.
0: Yes. All right. So let's move on. Besides being an author, you're a teacher. I mean, you're a busy lady. Your hustle is good. And I love that about you. I really do. You teach a class building, loving and lasting relationships, Marriage 101.
1: Tell us about that. So my class at Northwestern, my undergraduate class is called Marriage 101. And we've been teaching it for 20 years, since I was a graduate student. Wow, My new-
0: 20 years? Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. that's yeah. impressive.
1: And what's so, what's so fun is basically, so for 20 years teaching this class, I have heard from people all over the world who are like, that's such an unusual class. How can I take your class? And so I now get to have an answer of saying, because we are just now transforming the Marriage 101 course into an online course that people can buy from anywhere in the world and have the essence of, this relationship course without the term paper and the quizzes that yes. my undergraduate students have to have. So the class at Northwestern has been so much fun. It's so beautiful to be able to have the conversations like the one you and I are having right now, to have it with people who are 19, 20, 21 years old. And they come in from a wide variety of backgrounds, from families that are vastly diverse in terms of culture. They, My students are diverse around their sexuality, their gender orientation, the whole thing. And so I have had to figure out over 20 years how to talk about love and sex and intimacy in a way that really honors the uniqueness of each of my students' journeys. And it's just fun. It's really fun.
0: I, I got to backtrack a little bit because since now we're in COVID and you know, no one's at school, the courses are now online? They are, yes. Okay. So I
1: teach this class once a year in the spring. And so, so you're exactly right. So in the spring was when all of this stuff started. And so we had, all of us faculty had about two or three weeks to convert our in, I usually teach in a big old lecture hall and we've got breakout rooms for small group discussions and there's a hundred students in the class and it's just so thrilling. And I had basically two weeks to figure out how to make that something that could be taught on Zoom. So it was, that was a particular kind of hustle, but we did it. And so my students would, and the campus closed. So all my students went home to all parts of the world. And um, and we would all log in together on Zoom and and teach in this way. And so it was a painful experience because also then mid-course was when George Floyd was murdered. Oh, and wow. so now we had not just the pandemic, not just students at home, but my students of color, especially my Black students are mm-hmm. in, and my Black um, teaching assistants are in worlds of hurt and they are protesting and they are trying yeah. to keep up with their schoolwork and they are with their, it was one thing after another, and it was yes. truly a lesson for me in um authenticity, because I, you know, I would sign I would just join and we would we would just we would be wherever we were, right? I would teach from whatever place I was in at that moment, and I would want to hear from them about how this material was landing for them. It was really complicated and painful with lots of moments of beauty as well.
0: Wow. That's so beautiful. I mean, it, like 2020 has just been so amazingly challenging for all of us. And, you know, like think about like finding love now during the pandemic and COVID. What, what's your advice about that and thoughts on that? Right.
1: It's so complicated. Have you have you been tucked in in, in your home? These months
0: like you've got, like your travel has. Yes, I've done a couple of trips, you know. uh, I've done a couple of projects where, you know, I had to work, but of course we had to do the COVID tests and stuff like that. Um, But when COVID first started happening, you know, we were on lockdown and then we recently got put back somewhat on lockdown again, even though I found out you can drive 45 minutes or 30 minutes away to another county and they're open. So it's kind of crazy. It's crazy. But it is our world. And so you just learn to adjust and stay safe. Uh, but love during the pandemic, believe it or not, I found love. And uh, it's a new relationship and I'm really happy, but it's been challenging, you know, because everything that's just happening, it's just, it's been challenging, but I'm trying to push through it and and use tools to learn how to communicate better and, and things like that. What is modern love? And what do you think the challenges are and the opportunities are for modern love? Right.
1: Yeah. So I, well, I think just to, to loop back to what you're saying about the pandemic, I do think that there are, there's going to be beautiful love stories that yeah. come out of this time, right? I think that it's challenging to date. I think there's also, there's something that I think is very clarifying about a crisis. You know, like there's no more messing around. There's no more, there's no more playing games. There is, I think people, what, what I'm hearing from people who are dating during this time is that there's just a need for clarity, right? And there's not, we're not going to play games. Yeah. We're going to just, <laughs> So there's something about that time. But I think that is, so in that way, it's, you know, modern love is all of that adjusting to this intense world that we're living in. I think modern love is also about, um, I often say that it's about moving from role to role. Like when you think about, when I think about like my grandparents' relationship or even my parents' relationship, it was very much like you just, there was a provider and there was a caregiver, you know, like it was very much like what- a good husband is this and a good wife is this. Yeah. And it was pretty, pretty cut in stone, you know, and love now is moving towards soul to soul rather than role hmm. to role. We're soul to soul. And it's questions like the one that you're asking about your relationship is like, what is the degree to which you can really see me and celebrate me and meet me in a space of intimacy? Those were not the questions that my grandparents were asking about that relationship. You were, so, you were raised to find a good man. A good man. And a good man, meant he doesn't hit you. He doesn't drink too much and he
0: brings him a paycheck. Mm -hmm. Check, check, check. That's it. Yeah. And now it's it's changed a lot because women are out in the work field and earning a lot of money and having a lot of wonderful opportunities. Like I had to learn that with me, like, please don't judge me based on my salary, because even though I'm a workaholic and I work a lot, you know, I still deserve love. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. In the, I
1: was just looking at these numbers the other day. In the 1960s, three percent of women earned more money than their male partners. Mm-hmm. Now, fifty percent of women earn more money than their male partners. So that's vastly different. So we cannot have that be enough, as you're saying. Like you, like you need to be seen as fully successful and fully financially independent and fully in need of emotional interdependence. Right. Like you don't need somebody to bring a paycheck to you. You need somebody who's going to be with you and partner with you. That's very different than what our moms and grandmas needed and needed to figure out because they didn't have access to the kinds of things that women have access to now.
0: There's a, there's a topic that's called the stories you love by understanding your past. Explain what that's about. When we, a lot of what I do in my work is ask people to
1: look backwards, look in the rearview mirror and look at the family system that they grew up in. And it can seem strange when we're talking about a couple and helping a couple, a relationship be successful. It can seem strange that we spend so much time talking about the stuff that happened when we were little kids, but the stuff that happens when we're little kids becomes the pair of glasses through which we experience our adult intimate relationships what I'm allowed to feel, what I'm allowed to ask for, what I expect from you, how it feels when you don't text me back, mm. um, how it feels when you are asking for something from me. that We bring in stuff from our childhood so powerfully and so quietly that we have to be able to understand what happened back then so that we can understand how I'm experiencing my partner right here, right now.
0: So do you think our biggest influence in our relationships are our parents? Absolutely, 100. Absolutely, because yes. that you, literally, like for a girl, the first person you fall in love with is daddy, mm-hmm. and for boys, the first person that's the love of your life is mommy. Right? With with most people, if yep. you know. Now, yep. you you said something else. I want to touch on just really quick. You said about if a person doesn't answer your text back quickly enough, you know? And, and see, that's another thing that's, that, that freaks you out. Like, okay, it's the texting. And then what if you post something on social media that the person looks at? Like for me, I have to post things sometimes because I do movies and I have love scenes with guys, or I have to, you know, that guy has to look like I'm, I'm in a relationship with him, or we go to the premiere and I've got to take pictures with them. Baby, I have been judged on a picture and got into a whole argument. One time I got in an argument, I posted a picture of me holding some flowers, And I sent it to my guy and he's like, who gave you those flowers? And I was like, I was like, Mm -hmm. I just thought it was a pretty picture to send to you. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, how do we deal with those things with all of the modern social media stuff we have going on now? I think that example is such a good one. So in that moment where he is saying,
1: who sent you those flowers on the receiving end, it feel, I'm sure it felt to you like he was controlling you and he was suspicious of you. I'm also very sure that for him in that moment, what was happening was the scared little boy who lives inside of him, because we all have, you know, a little person lives, was feeling really activated. Like, wait a minute. If somebody else is liking you and somebody else is shining on you, then do I still matter to you? Right. And the problem is we don't go there. We stay focused on the why do you do that and what did you do and who was it? And what's your answer to my question? We get very focused on what's happening with the other person Mm. rather than taking that deep breath and saying like, what is it that's so scary when I see Vivica holding flowers that were not from me? Why does that scare me? What is going on? What am I worried about? And how does it remind me of something I might've felt when I was growing up? How is this moment carrying echoes of my past? And that's the beautiful part of love, right? Is, Is beginning to... Access that and heal that together. But we can't get there when we focus on, you know, who gave you those flowers? Why does it matter? Da, 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 you know, that
0: whole thing. But can I tell you, I felt like I was such a grown up that I immediately felt like he felt, um, uh, what's it, insecure. And I immediately said, sweetheart. When we got in the car, the flowers were there, and I immediately just thought, "Wow, this will be a nice picture to send to you." I said, "I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make you feel that way." So I took accountability for my action because, like I said, and then he was like, "Oh, okay," and then he got it instead of flying off the handle and it caused a big argument. So I'm I try- love that. I'm That's- trying, girl. I'm trying. Okay, <laughs> I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to grow. <laughs> what what a gold think? star right here in the world Gold us. star, for <laughs>
1: <laughs> So listen, what do you think causes relationships to? in i think it's not being willing to look at our stuff Mm. not being willing to own our stuff and instead of saying i'm sorry or i'm scared or i'm confused we shut down or we attack and then that's where and we end up losing we end up like missing each other totally
0: agreed agreed how do you think people find love during this pandemic
1: Before the pandemic, there was a lot of talk about hookup culture, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sort of with the advent of dating apps. And it's so easy to meet people. And I would hear a lot from my undergrad students and my graduate students about them very quickly becoming sexually intimate with somebody in order to figure out is there chemistry or not chemistry? Do I like you?
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And then, you know, as if sexual chemistry is just purely about like two bodies coming together. To me, sexual chemistry is based on what we were saying before about emotional connection. And it may take a while to kind of build sexual chemistry because you may need to start with some emotional chemistry first. But I think in hookup culture, there was a sense that you had to very quickly kind of be sexual and be intimate in that way before you would go towards emotional vulnerability. Well, the pandemic has basically taken that off the table, right, because now we need to be really mindful, not just about sexually transmitted infections and unintended pregnancy, but about like not getting COVID around. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I think what may be happening is what we may have like the pendulum swinging the other way and people may be going more slowly into a relationship and building a friendship first and building some caregiving behaviors first and kind of creating that sense of getting to know each other first before we become sexually intimate. And so it may be a really lovely kind of reset, you know, mm-hmm. of, what's, of what's important and of how do we want our love stories to be starting.
0: All right. Well, so I want to do a little uh, something for moms because we kind of talked about single people and all that hooking up, discovering love. What about moms? What, what do you describe self care for moms?
1: Yeah, the moms of the world are tired right now, I think. Oh. <laughs> wow, that's good. The moms, the moms are tired. One in four moms in the U.S. is thinking about leaving her career because of the impossibility of running a little school inside of her home and taking care of the home. And, you know, and so I think what this pandemic, one of the things this pandemic has highlighted is the massive, like crisis in caregiving that we all have. We don't have, you know, when you look at like Europe, especially there are the, the amount of paternity leave and maternity leave and child and daycare. And like that all is woven into their society very differently than we have here in the U S. And so I think what's highlighted is how much moms and dads are really on their own. And so you put a pandemic into the mix and a racial reckoning and a mental health crisis, and you see how this whole thing around caregiving is just like at the breaking point mm-hmm. um, all the time. So moms, yeah, moms are depleted. And and I, the thing I want most for moms during this time mm-hmm. is to know, for them to know that it's it's hard, not because they are weak or screwed up or bad moms. This is hard. This is unprecedented what we are asking of parents to do right now. It's, it's unprecedented. It's not like anything we've ever done. So
0: how do moms take better self-care of themselves in your opinion? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with cutting corners. I know that's right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Frozen food, like
1: less guilt about the iPad and the TV, you know, that's, that's some of it is just not going for the a plus in motherhood, but just going for like a solid b minus like part,
0: you know <laughs> quit, quit making things so hard on yourself, right? Yeah, because that's yeah. What our kids
1: that's what our kids want and need most of all from us is just to be calm and to be grounded. And, and so present. whatever and present. Yeah. So cutting all whatever was was the was the b s in life, just get rid of it to the degree that you can so that there's a little bit of bandwidth for whatever, a silly game or a bedtime story, the things yeah. that really matter to our kids.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I have a godson that his uh, mom, they used to always make sure that, you know, they read a bedtime story and it used to just always warm my heart. It really did to see them get a book and just take that time and and for a child to have that discovery and that they just really enjoyed that just one-on-one time. That was so simple to give let's do a round of rapid fire. Okay. Cause I don't want to run out of time with you. Cause I've, I have, I've just enjoyed talking to you so much. So I'm gonna do some rapid fire questions about building loving and lasting relationships that, you know, we maintain that we learn the tools that we need. So I'm gonna do rapid fire. Okay. What are the key steps for building loving and lasting relationships?
1: Understand your past mm-hmm. and partner with somebody
0: who isn't afraid of
1: therapy because at some point you're going to need therapy. There's no shame in that. What's your take on the phrase, once a cheater, always a cheater? I think it's, it depends. The research shows that people who've cheated are more at risk of cheating again, because once you've crossed the line, it's a bit easier to cross the line again. So the question is not whether or not they cheated, but what do they learn from it? And what are the practices that they do each and every day to stay in their own sexual integrity?
0: Because I have an old saying, a tiger never changes a stripe. So that's how I kind of feel about a cheater. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you would say, thank you, next. Yes. okay. <laughs> Why do you think people cheat? because of old unhealed stuff it is so painful because it it, the person you're cheating on it hurts them like hell but it tends to have very little to do with them and everything to do with with the person who's cheating and what they have not healed within themselves which is so hard to get your head around how does a person know whether to stay or to leave i think you can't know right away i think it takes time to know I think that it takes listening to our listening to the wisdom of our bodies and I think it takes looking at change over time. I think if things are really stuck and you and your partner or one of you is not willing to look at for outside resources like an e-course, like a book, like a therapist, then that's when you know that you're you're stuck and if you you can't nobody can fix a relationship. You can't do a two-person job as one person. Why do you think it's so difficult to leave a bad relationship? I think because we can think, okay, if I just do this one more thing, then it'll get better. So I think we can get really tenacious around believing. It's very hard to feel helpless. It's very hard to say, I've done what I can do. So we will find another sort of thing. If I try this, maybe it'll make a difference. I think that's a part of it. And also history. It's really hard to leave the history and to step into an uncertain future.
0: What's the best advice you could give to a married couple? Keep dating each other. Yes! I love that answer. I love that answer. Have date nights. Go to the movies. Do what you did when you were dating each other. Stop getting in boring routines. Sorry, this is your rapid fire. No, I'm I love it. <laughs> I suck at rapid questions. Like, I have nothing rapid inside of me, so good. that was good. That was good. Okay. The best advice for a young couple. Take your time. You know, there's no rush. There's no rush. I love that. Get to know each other. It's okay. Because I'm going to tell you my sorry, I'm getting in here again. That The first three months his agent shows up and then the real him shows up that fourth month every time. Okay. So (laughs) that was excellent advice. Take the time to get to know each other and don't date body parts. Okay. (laughs) Even if they're really fantastic body (laughs) parts. What's the best tip that you can give for a couple during the pandemic? Use your imagination. It's really hard. We were talking about dating. You have
1: to now figure out how to have a fun date in the same house you've been in all day, every day. So use your imagination. Wear different clothes. Eat in a different part of the house. You know, just change up what you can change.
0: Yes, use your imagination. Divorce rates are high right now during the pandemic. Why do you think so? I think that the pandemic is
1: not creating new problems necessarily, but it is pulling back the veil on longstanding problems that people were able to hide from with busy schedules and travel and distraction. There's no more distraction. So so the cracks in the foundation are being highlighted. What would be the most surprising lesson
0: that people would take from your book?
1: How much has to do with us? I think it's so easy to get focused on our partners. If they would be like this, then the relationship would be better. And it has so much more to do with us and what how we're showing up.
0: You made it through rapid fire. (laughs) I'm breaking a sweat. You go girl. Okay. So now just in closing, how do you think your hustle has made you become the successful woman that you are today? I
1: think what I, and I want, I'd be curious to know if this is true for you as well. I think my hustle is, it's just me. It's me being me. I, the things that I choose are the things that are the spaces I enter are the spaces where I get to express who I am deeply. So it doesn't feel like a hustle. It just feels like living my life out loud and fully and without apology. And so it doesn't feel, I don't really get burnt. I mean, I get tired, but I don't get Mm -hmm. burnt out because I, I, I choose things that are an expression of who I am.
0: For me, if I can answer that for you, I love what I do. And that's why I love hustling. And so many wonderful opportunities now that I am comfortable in my own skin as a grown woman the hustle, it's like the opportunities just keep coming, but it's because I am doing what I love to do. Okay. How do you balance everything? Author, teacher, mom, all that stuff. How do you balance it all? I don't balance it. I, I try to, not. I don't balance it. I don't, I know,
1: I figure out which ball I can drop on which day really, because, oh. because a ball is, a ball is going to drop. And so which ball is going to drop today? And I, and I, work really hard to be deeply okay with that. There are days I'm not the mom I want to be. There are days I'm not the therapist I want to be, but I just, I trust that it all kind of comes out in the wash because it's never going to be balanced.
0: Okay. What drives you?
1: Being of service. Like I Mm. love when I get a message from somebody about, you know, what, what, what a particular podcast meant to them or what they learned from my books. Like I love, I love feeling like I, get to make a difference. I think when I was a little girl, I felt really powerless with, um, I saw a lot of unhappy grownups in my family and I felt really Mm. powerless and pretty helpless. And so now to be able to be helpful and to be of service, it like, it's the way that I heal my own little girl that I carry inside of me.
0: How did you take your sexy back?
1: Ooh, by writing that book. Oh my gosh. It was so you know come across something and write something and show it to my husband and it was just really because we're 22 years into our marriage and so this wow that's That's a
0: lifetime are you kidding especially in hollywood honey (laughs) 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 yeah Mm -hmm. all right well that leads us perfectly into today's hustle hack hashtag taking sexy back what ways can you improve your relationship with yourself and with your partner Learn to listen and not react negatively. Know your self-worth. Don't be ashamed or live in regret. Trust me, don't do it. Unpack all that baggage, okay? Keep your hustle and let your beauty and your love shine. Learn to accept and expect your needs to be met because you deserve a healthy, loving relationship. I want to thank Dr. Alexandra Solomon for being a guest today. You were just absolutely wonderful. Tell folks where they can find you on social media. It's it's been so much fun to be with you. I have loved this conversation. The best way to find me is my website,
1: DrAlexandraSolomon.com. It's got links to my social media Uh and courses and books and all that stuff. So the website's a great place to start.
0: Okay. But would you be on Dr. Alexandra Solomon on all social media platforms? I am, especially, okay. I am I love Instagram and Facebook.
1: So I'm on Instagram nearly every day offering relationship advice. So that's a great place to find
0: me. I love that. Find her folks, okay? Because she's got a lot of knowledge on how to have a healthy and loving relationship. Folks, you can find me at Miss V Fox on Instagram. On Twitter, you can find me at Miss Vivica Fox. And Hustling with Vivica Fox has its own social media platform too. It's at Vivica Hustling. Darlings, subscribe, download, and listen to Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. I just wanted to let you all know that this is the last episode of Hustling with Vivica A. Fox for 2020. I want to wish you all happy holidays and a happy, healthy, safe new year. And I will be back in 2021. Until next time, darlings. Bye for now. The Hustling with Vivica A. Fox podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional medical, financial legal or other advice diagnosis or treatment this podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service the use of any information provided during the podcast is at the listener's own risk for medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation please consult a physician or other trained professional